Phillies Nation, welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast, episode number 38, we are at opening day, 2018, I'm Tim Malcolm, the host of the podcast, also the editorial director of philliesnation.com, go there today for all of your Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, and much more, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash philliesnation, Twitter at philliesnation, Instagram at philliesnation underscore Opening day 2018 is here, and what an exciting time. I am really excited. This is, I think, the most excited I've been for a Philly season in at least, I would say, eight or nine years. Different feeling in 2011 and 10 even. I think 2009 was really the last time I really felt this excited about the Phillies starting out. Because there's such an unknown quantity here, this team could be maybe a contender for a wild card. I don't know if they're going to be that good, but they could be a team that goes into September with a chance at being maybe an underdog, maybe a spoiler team, something like that. And we haven't had that in years. So I'm really excited to get going here to see what this team can do. I do think April will be a very important part of the schedule for us. Us as fans, I should say, for the Phillies. They play a lot of bad teams. There's an opportunity for them to really take advantage of an easy part in the schedule. And if they do that, then it'll make the rest of the year kind of go a little bit easier. There's a really tough stretch in June. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I really do think there's an opportunity for the Phillies to start this year on a really high note. And if they do that, we could be looking at a really interesting special year in Philadelphia. So today on the podcast, I have Brian Michael, who is the founder and CEO of philliesnation.com. He will be coming on in a little bit to talk about the 2018 Phillies. We're going to go over our predictions. Our, we're going to do some over-under stuff. We're going to go over uh, whether we think certain things are over or under the totals. Uh, everything from Aaron Nola's win total to Reese Hoskins' home run total, things like that. We're also going to talk about the big storylines of the year, how the Phillies did in the offseason, what we expect out of certain players and coaches, and hopefully, I think at the end of this, we're going to have some win totals. I... Don't want to spoil anything, but I do think this team has an opportunity of maybe spoiling some some people and and, and, may, and being a dark horse in some way. I don't know if they're a playoff team, as I said earlier, but I do think this is a team that can be very interesting September 1st, and there's an opportunity for the Phillies to take advantage and maybe surprise a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I do think this is a team that is better than last year, they have an improved pitching staff just by having Jake Arrieta. They have probably a similar bullpen situation, maybe a little better. The offense should be better because it's more experienced. There will be some sort of slumps. There will be some hard times. But I do think overall they will have a better season offensively. So if we're talking about a team that 166 last year probably was more like a 72-73 win team, if all things worked out better, this might be more like an 81-win team this year. But we'll talk about the win totals. We'll talk about the predictions. We'll get into all that in a few moments. Before we get into anything else, because it 
last time we talked, we uh, I believe we didn't talk about Scott Kingery and how unbelievable that is. I mean, Scott Kingery being brought into the fold on a six-year deal for $24 million. It's a graduated contract. And then three option years after that that will take him to over $65 million if those years are picked up and he does stay with the Phillies. It's a historic move for the Phillies because they've never locked down a player in this sort of way before his career even started. He's only the second player in history to be locked down before his career has even started. Jonathan Singleton, former Phillies prospect, then went to the Astros, was the first. Didn't work out so well. That said, Singleton was probably good to take the deal. His career hasn't turned out the way that I think the Astros would have liked, but the Astros didn't pay a lot of money to put him in that situation. So, in essence, not a bad deal for the Astros, not a bad deal for Singleton. And I don't think this is much of a bad deal either. I wrote about what the Kingery deal means at philliesnation.com and how we should sort of look at it. Yeah, you know, there's definitely a lot to think about as far as what kind of position players are put into early in their careers. When you're in the minor leagues, you don't have much of a say. You get paid very, very little money. And you're only hoping to get to the major leagues. And when you get to the major leagues, you're only hoping to get the kind of money that you can sustain yourself on until you get a big contract. You know, the major league minimum isn't a ton of money. Yes, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. But if you think about how little these guys get paid in the minor leagues, it isn't a ton of money. And these guys have a special job. They're entertaining. They are having to perform at a very high level for over a hundred times a year. They're doing it in front of thousands of people live and potentially millions of people who are watching and listening around the country and the world. It's really tough to make it as a major league ball player, and it's really tough to make money. And when you're young and when you have an opportunity to sign a contract worth more than the major league minimum, it's hard to pass that up. And what I wrote about is what kind of position these players are put into early on in their careers when they have that opportunity. It's not necessarily right for someone like Scott Kingery to be put in a position where, oh, I can now make this money. He could make a lot more money later on in his career. He could have made $15 million a year within four years, not within seven years. That's the reality he has to face now is that he's going to have to bite the bullet and make potentially less money in the first couple of years of his career so that he has security and the opportunity to play in Philadelphia all the time as a major leaguer. But he could take a lot more money if he didn't sign this contract. So that's the position he's put in. And it's not fair. I don't think it's fair for players to be put in that kind of position. I think the system is broken and it needs fixing. I think the Phillies did what they did within the system. They took advantage of that system. They took advantage of how young players are treated in that system. And they made a good deal for themselves. And I think Scott Kingery had a good deal too. He's getting paid millions of dollars to play baseball without ever stepping on a major league field. That's great for him. He's going to have a great... He's, he's got a great opportunity to, I mean, he doesn't have to work 
potentially ever again because he's going to make $24 million over the first six years of his life, of his career, I should say. So that's fantastic for him. It's fantastic for the Phillies, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also unfair how it all works. And if you're in my piece of Phillies Nation, you, you get a sense of sort of that, the layers of it that, yeah, you can be happy for Kingery. You can think it's a good deal. You can be happy for the Phillies. You can be happy as a fan, but you can also look at the system and the situation and say, you know what? That's not great. It sucks that Kingery doesn't have the opportunity to make more money, you know, before year six, year seven. So that's the piece out there right now. You should read it if you want to get to know a little bit more about how this all works and how the system works and how players are treated in that system. It's interesting to at least get a sense of how that works because some of these kids, it takes them a long time to make the money that they really should be making as major league ball players because they are working a job that I can't fathom working. Being in that situation, playing at the highest level possible, entertaining for thousands upon millions of people, the hopes and dreams of people live on how your performance goes. If you think about how we as fans interact with these players and interact with their performance, there's a lot riding on these guys. There's a lot of stress. And so you think they should get paid more money. That's how I think, at least. So read the piece at philliesnation.com about the Kingery deal. But look, it's great. Scott Kingery is on board for the next six years, if not more. He could be the starting second baseman pretty soon. At least he'll be a super utility player who is going to have every opportunity to succeed. Second base, shortstop, third base at the outfield. He's got good speed. He's a good fielder. He's got a really good contact bat that is getting better, and the power will emerge. This guy could be really special. And I wrote a piece two weeks ago at Phillies Nation about what you could expect out of him. He's not Chase Utley. If he becomes something like Chase Utley, that'd be amazing, but don't expect this guy to be Chase Utley. Chase Utley was an eight-win player to speak. Very few players in baseball get to that level. Kingery should be a good player, but I don't think he's going to be Chase Utley. He could be Dustin Pedroia, also a really good player. But don't expect it. Expect him to be his own guy. And maybe he becomes a 6-7, 8-win player. That would be awesome. And somewhat unexpected because I don't think we expect him to be that good. But at the very least, I think he should be a really good, at the very least, super utility player. And potentially better than that. Regular everyday starter who can play on a first division club, who can hit at the top of the lineup. If he's that player, that's great. That's what I want. But at the very least, I think the Phillies, yes, they did get a good deal out of this. I think Kingery, congratulations on signing a good contract. He's going to get paid a lot of money over the next couple of years of his life. Fantastic. All good. And we're ready to roll. 2018 is here. The season is upon us. The roster's set. We did have an injury. Tommy Hunter is hurt. That forced the Phillies to bring Victor Arano and Jake Thompson into the fold for the 25-man roster. Probably one too many uh, relief pitchers, but at the end of the day... It'll only probably last for about a week or two. Jake Arrieta will come on board after that. He starts on April 8th against Miami. We got a season. Phillies Braves kicking off today. Aranola on the mound for the Phils. Sun Trust Park. I'm really excited. I can't wait. I hope you're excited too. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Brian Michael of philliesnation.com. And we're going to talk more about the season ahead and the big storylines, predictions, over-unders, and a whole lot more. We'll see you soon. All right, so now I have with me Brian Michael, the founder and CEO of PhilliesNation.com. 
I uh, brought him on so we could talk about the season and, and what to expect and looking back at the off season and kind of go through a few over-unders just for fun and some predictions at the end. Uh, Brian, how excited are you? This is this is it. We're here. We're opening day. This is I, I'm I, very excited. I'm really yeah, I'm very excited. Happy opening day. Happy opening happy, day. Happy opening day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's very excited. There's a lot to be excited about. The Phillies have a lot of players that uh, we're going to get to see that we've been waiting for, uh, as well as some new free agents, as well as a new manager. So there's lots of new things to see, and everyone's excited. Yeah, everyone is excited. The city's yeah. excited. Uh, so it, I'm super psyched. As I said in the open, th- this is maybe the most excited I've been for a Phillies team in at least a half decade, if not. I mean, honestly, you know, 2010 and 11, I don't think I was excited then. I think it was more like, okay, they're going to be good. This is great. Whereas, like, 2007 and 8, it was like, yeah, this is like, this is, this could be a fun team. Like, this, this right. feels like bad. This, 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 is, the year, this is the year we've we've been waiting for. Uh, just yeah. like the Sixers, just like the Sixers this season, we've been through some down times, and this is the one where we expect things to go up. Yeah. I, I, well, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll have the sort of turnaround that the Sixers have had. They're just unbelievable. But right. um, at the very least, we can be a competitive team, and maybe we'll be talking about, you know, what if we start this guy, you know, and like like early September and we, we start talking about like pitching matchups that matter going into the playoff crunch. That would be amazing if we're at that point. Absolutely. So I wanted to go through the big storyline first off of uh, the season upcoming and sort of looking back as well. The off season for the Phils was really active. They were one of the most active teams in baseball and they did, I think more than we had, thought they would do. I thought they would probably get two pitchers in the market, one or at least one in the market, one through a trade. And they did get they got one pitcher, uh one starting pitcher, and that was a big one. Uh but then they got some bullpen help. They also picked up a, a starting player who they, you know, had to kind of move the move positions around for. Uh very busy offseason. How do how do you think they did uh and weighed against sort of what you expected? Uh do you think it was the right did they make the right moves? Did they did they puzzle you at all? How do you think they did this offseason? Sure. Uh, I would give them, if it were grading the Phillies offseason, a B plus. You know, I do okay. think they made a lot of good moves, things that they needed. Like you said, bullpen, uh, Carlos Santana. Obviously, Arietta is a huge piece to any um, roster. You know, they probably could have used another pitcher, like you said, so that definitely left a little room for improvement. But, you know, they also got a new manager, too. So that's a pretty big acquisition, you know, one that has a lot of expectations on him as well. So just like a lot of these young players, uh, everyone's going to be looking at Gabe Kapler this season. Yeah, I'll mention him in a second, and you're right about that. That's something that we kind of don't talk about when we, saw, when we, tell, when we talk about additions is, you know, we kind of forget that at the end of the season they just – Cut Pete McCannon loose and said, "Okay, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do this new thing," and they've up up completely. You know, uh, 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 they've upended their entire sort of strategy and how they sort of go about business on the field. So it's really interesting how that has changed. But yeah, I I, I do think they should have probably picked up another veteran pitcher. I mean, Jeremy Hellickson was out there forever, and he would have been. I mean, they would have been able to get him back on a minor league contract because that's what the Nationals got him on. So it would have been nice to see someone like that just kind of, you know, be an option for the Phillies. I know they don't need the option because it's more about seeing these young guys pitch 
and making big decisions on them right now. But it would have been nice to have someone who could throw five to six innings. You don't have to necessarily worry about how good or bad that person is. He's going to get the job done. But I think all in all, they did pretty well. I mean, B-plus is, is probably slightly stronger than I would have said. I would, maybe it could be. Um, but I'm totally fair with that. It, it, Carlos Santana was actually a pretty good move, I think, in the long run. He's maybe the most consistent player you can find in baseball as far as just getting on base and, you know, doing what you know he's going to do at a relatively good level. And then the bullpen additions, I think, were nice. Uh, they help a lot of young players who we're going to expect them to do a lot of things this year. And then, of course, Arietta, I think, I wouldn't have gone with him at first, but because the Phillies got him on their terms and he is going to be here for three years probably overall, it's a really good move for the Phillies. And I think it's going to help them going forward in when they become the competitive team, really competitive next year probably, he could be a playoff guy, someone that they could throw in the third spot there, game three or something. So that's great. All great. Um, Gabe Kapler, as you said, he was the big addition in the beginning of the offseason. What do you expect out of him? Is he, you know, how much does a manager actually change things in a, in a, on a baseball team? Is he capable of being this major agent of change here with this team? I mean, we've seen some things in spring training. Do you think it will really bear itself out on the field this regular season? Uh, I do. I think, you know, change is a good word. I think flexibility is a good word. You know, I don't know if he's going to make any huge changes right away. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of little changes, maybe tweaks with the lineup, see how things work, um, giving people rests here and there. You know, they have a good uh, set of utility players that can play at different positions. So I think there will be a lot of rotation, uh, both in the field and in the lineup. Um, and, you know, it will give him a chance to see what these players can do. Uh, I know it's his first managing stint. Maybe there's uh, some hesitancy there, but I think him being able to be flexible with his players and, you know, people are going to get injured, people are going to slump, uh, he's going to need to be able to deal with those things. So, you know, not making that a big deal when players are moved up and down the lineup. And they're young guys, so they should be resilient. Um, you know, the pitchers certainly are um, with their bus, but I think all that kind of stuff is, is going to be part of it, the flexibility um, just kind of being along for the ride because I don't think there is any set plan uh, as of yet. When when he came on, I I talked about him as sort of this like TED talk, sort of a walking TED talk, who yeah. seemed to be really optimistic and really you know just exuberant and trying to coach you into the best lifestyle that you could be, uh, like a like a Tony Robbins type, and. His he recently did a Q and A with uh, Megan Montemuro of the Athletic, uh, and he talked about a number of things. One of them being uh, the 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 the, the, the fly ball that he hit that uh, almost broke the perfect game that Mark Burley pitched um, many years ago. I think in 2004, I think it was. And Dwayne Wise made the incredible catch to to kind of got, get the out and bring them one out closer to the perfect game. And he robbed Kapler of a, of a big hit. Um, he his answer about that question and like you know how did you feel about that in the moment were you upset and he says well maybe but in retrospect I like actually am really glad that Wise made the catch because he um, it was like the biggest play of his life he'll always have that and barely will always have the perfect game and this people of Chicago will always have that moment and if I hit a home run in that moment it would have been 
not big. It would have kind of went away. I would have had a home run, but who cares? That's what matters. It's a perfect game, the catch, all that. I mean, the fact that he says these kinds of things, he seems like a great role model for these guys. I think he sets a great example for this team. And just sort of on a on a you know macro basis, it's really cool to have a manager who is relatively young, who's been in the big leagues not long ago, not in the seventies, but you know in the most recent you know in the most recent decade, and he seems to be just really really optimistic and excited about what these guys can do. I don't know if he believes in everything. I don't know if he's like really that like much of a you know believer in everything he talks about. But it really seems like he is, and that's, I think, really important for a team of young guys who are getting their feet wet for the first time and don't know what they're doing half the time and are trying to just, like, stay hot and stay in their in their place. That, I think, is important. And then, as you said, the flexibility. Just, you know, the fact that the Phillies are finally with all the other good teams in baseball as far as bringing in, like, three utility players who can play every position on the bench, and that kind of thing is important now. And having eight guys in the bullpen because – guys get taxed really quickly, and you don't want to waste your arms. I mean, it's just really fun to see the Phillies finally playing like they're in 2018, and not like they're in oh, 2005. All good teams have those those sort of benches, and the Phillies are, are building their team that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, God, I, I can't wait to see Scott King replay. I'm just really excited. Like, I'm, we, you know, the fact that he's up here, and, and this is just really cool, that Scott King is be part of this, and it's just great to see the Phillies kind of be part of the 21st century, finally. It's just yeah. fun. All <laughs> the young guys. All the young guys. It's fun. It should be fun. They have the youthful exuberance. It should be fun down there. So, as far as all the players that they have on this team, the young players, the old players, everybody, but really focusing on the young players, who do you think is going to make a leap this year? Um, you know, there's a number of players who can – definitely sort of become stars or close to stars or superstars. Uh, but but pick one. Who is the one that you're focusing on most and think that, yeah, this guy can really become, you know, a core player for this team? Sure. This year? Yeah, uh, you definitely uh, said it. There's a lot of players to choose from. I mean, Reese Hoskins, Aaron Nola, uh, they've both set the bar high already for themselves. Um, Scott Kingery, J.P. Crawford, they really um, haven't done anything yet so you know they could be anywhere all over the place i think someone who uh, has shown potential and has the chance to make the biggest leap uh is roman quinn um Mm. you know and the main thing is him being healthy obviously um avoiding injury um staying on the team for the full season Uh, i think the phillies can use his speed uh, like we were saying use his ability to play at different positions different uh, positions in the lineup as well. Um, So I think he has the potential to make the biggest leap. You know, he might not be the best player or superstar, even an all-star, but him playing a full season would be uh, a big improvement uh, over the previous uh, two years. Now, because you started in the year in Lehigh Valley, I mean, mean, it looks like he'll be on the team at some point, and he was like the last guy cut. When do you think he makes the team? Do you think that basically the Phillies are just going to let Pedro Florimond kind of stew around for a little bit and they're just waiting for Roman Quinn to be, okay, he looks like he's fine, he's healthy, let's bring right. him up kind of thing? Yeah, I think he's going to be the first call-up. You know, okay. We mentioned at some point players are going to get injured. Um, there's going to be that need for flexibility. Uh, and I think this is going to be his chance uh, on the season. 
you know, like you said, plenty of the other players have already uh, proven, like Reese Hoskins, we know what they, he can do, and, and Aaron Nola. Uh, it, uh, Roman Quinn's someone who excites me as a player. He's a unique player on, on, in the Phillies organization, and it's, you know, it's his time to uh, make the team and, and stay there for the full season. So my guy to make a leap, and I can't believe I'm doing this because this could go, I mean, just as wrong as it's always gone, but I really fully believe in this guy, and I have since he came up, and I need to just stay with him, and I do want to be able to rub it in people's face if he does Michael make it Franco? Is it Michael Franco? It's Franco. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Here's the thing about Michael Franco, okay? Last year he had a strikeout rating of 15.2%, K rating, a, a percentage of 15.2%. That's how much he struck out. 6.6% walk rate. Those are pretty good numbers if you're talking about a guy who can put the ball in the air and get some guys home. The walk rate is fine if the strikeout rate is down in the 15. So that's really good. His BABIP was 234, which is 40 points lower than it was the year before that. And in 2015, it's, it's 60 points lower than it was in 15 which is when he had his big breakout. I really feel like the only problem with Michael Franco, the only problem is that he just has a bad swing. That's it. He's just not swinging the ball correctly, swinging the bat correctly. That's a pretty big problem though, right? Yeah, of course. It's like the, <laughs> it's the one thing they're supposed to do, yes. But it's not, it's not like the guy has like terrible strike zone recognition problems. Yes, he does like miss pitches down in the zone. Yes, he can be a little wild, but his big problem is that he just has a bad swing plan. And what we've seen out of spring is that he's trying to improve that. It's never perfect. It doesn't look amazing all the time, but he has kind of put together a decent repertoire of swings in the past couple weeks. And he came alive at the end of spring, and it looked pretty decent. And when he was hitting the ball, it went far, and it, and it was great. This is someone who if that swing can be what he's trying to get it to be 60% of the time, then we have a pretty good play on our hands here. Because he's capable of hitting 30 to 40 home runs a year. He's capable of hitting 280 to 90. When he came up in 2015, we all thought, oh, this guy can hit 300 one day. That could still be possible for him. I think it is. Yes, he has a bad approach, but... If there is a little bit of work he's doing and it shows up in the season and maybe Carlos Santana is helping him and the new hitting coach, I mean, he has had a bunch of hitting coaches in his life now. Maybe he'll get a little bit of steadiness under him. This might work. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm praying. I just got to believe in Michael Franco because I've staked my reputation on Michael Franco like I staked my reputation on Don Brown many years ago. This <laughs> is the guy I'm, I'm going on. I think he's going to have a big year, Michael Franco. I agree. He had a, a, a good uh, late spring, so he's hitting the ball well. He's hitting for power. You know, I think you get what you get with Franco. He's going to be inconsistent. It's just a matter of, of how much. You know, he's never going to be perfect. I don't think he's going to hit 40 home runs, but he could certainly hit 30 easily. Uh, I don't think he'll hit 300, but, you know, 280, I'll be more than happy with uh, with Franco. He'll, he'll certainly strike out a lot because of that swing, um, and that's what you know, you'll get with him. But I would think he, he, he's on a short lease. You know, at some point, uh, the experiment's going to have to end. I don't know if it's this season, but um, there's plenty of players coming up. Well, he, he's 25 years old, 
So that's all I'm saying. Uh, Jose Bautista, he was like 29 when he finally broke out a little bit. So they're still tied for Franco. I think they're, I think he's going to be good. That's just me. I'm going with it. Okay. Um, let's do some over-unders because this is the fun part. And uh, we're going to do this, you know, relatively quickly here. Uh, Bovada put up their over-unders for the 2018 MLB season, and they got a bunch for the Phillies, uh, mostly the just main players. And they're mostly sort of the counting totals, but it's fun to go through these. So we'll start with Reese Hoskins. Uh, Bovada total home runs for Reese Hoskins in 2008. They have it at 28.5 for Reese Hoskins. Are you over or under on Reese Hoskins? I am over. Not much over. I'm saying 30, 32, but over. Yeah, I'm over too. I, I It just seems like, I mean, if he hit 18 in a month and a half, and right. really like a month because he was he didn't hit any after – mid-September, he's capable of hitting 30 in three months or so. Right. He's so, not going to hit 70, but 30 is <laughs> too hard. You never know. But no, <laughs> no. I, I, I think like 33 or so is probably about right. You know, maybe he gets 36, 37. That'd be amazing. Or 40-some, whatever. I mean, the ball carries, you know, the ball's different than it was in the past. You know, that's basically what everybody's been saying. So, it's possible that, you know, the 33 home runs he hits can actually be 36 or 37 or maybe 40 or whatever. So, yeah, I want to go over. I think if it's under, then something's happened with Hoskins that we didn't foresee happening. So Exactly. Uh, Carlos Santana, total home runs in 2018. Bovada has him at 25 and a half over under. I'm going to go with the under. Okay, why? Uh, I think he's going to lose a little bit of the power. He's going to be looked at more for RBIs. Uh, in this lineup, so you know, doubles, like, extra like, base hits. Okay, those like ground RBIs, line drive RBIs. Exactly, exactly. So I'm going to go over. Um, and uh, the, when they signed him, I think it was David Murphy, maybe, maybe it was Matt Gelb, um, put up a chart of where Carlos Santana's home runs fell in progressive field last year. And it looked as if there were about three or four home runs that were not in progressive field, that they were fly balls that would go over in Citizens Bank Park. Citizens Bank is the best home run park in baseball. Progressive Field is one of the worst in baseball. So it it seems to me that Santana has that kind of power where he will just sneak a couple over the fence that shouldn't go over the fence uh, in other parks. So I'm just going to believe that he's going to have one more, maybe two more years of pretty decent power, and that'll kind of vault him to closer to 30 home runs. I'm going to say like 28 home runs this year for Santana, which would be great because yeah. more home runs is good. So They need it. That's definitely yeah. be improvement uh, previous years. Yeah, yeah. Tommy Joseph's hollow 23 home runs will not be a thing anymore. Exactly. Um, Michael Franco, my favorite player ever. Yeah. Total home runs in 2018. Over, whatever oh. it is, the over, or whatever it is. <laughs> I got it, right? <laughs> I can't go under here. Total home runs, 24 and a half. What do you think? I will take the over. I mean, he, he was on that pace in spring. Uh, he definitely can hit more than 25 home runs. Yeah, I mean he he is a like a fly ball hitter. I mean he's well he's a, he's a he puts the ball in the air, um, not as much as most guys typically do, but he does when he he tries to hit it in the air. I guess it's a, I guess it's a thing. Um, I'll go over obviously. Uh, I would say maybe. I, I mean, look, if I'm going to be high on the guy, I should say 30 home runs this year. Let's just be real. So yeah, 30 home runs. Uh, so plenty high, plenty over that 24 and a half. I'm going to say for Franco. Why not? Yep. Uh, Odubel Herrera, batting average in the 2018 regular season. Bovada has him at 285. 
285, I'm going to go under. You know, I just don't know um, what to get with the, what we get with Herrera. He definitely has capability of hitting over 300, you know, even 310 sometimes. But I'm going with the under. You know, I don't think everyone can have a great season this year. He's one of the up-and-down players, so I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go under, too. Um, he hit 297 and 15. He hit 286 in 2016. And then last year, he hit 281. So he's clearly been trending downward. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, average isn't a thing that necessarily just trends downward all the time, and that's an indicator. But he continued to be terrible at taking walks, and he continued to be not as good at striking out. He strikes out more than he probably should. You know, pitchers have a good book on him by now, and I think he's able to make adjustments from time to time, and he can be a good hitter for a little while, but he always seems to revert to being big swing and big miss and doable, which, I mean, look, the guy's got great power when it shows, and he does a lot of other things on the field that is great. I mean, he's got streaky. Streaky, and, streaky too, streaky hitter. Yeah, he's really streaky, but he, you know, but he, he's, he's speedy. He can field really well in center field. There's a lot of things he does really well. Uh, but, yeah, he's streaky, and so streaky hitters don't typically hit for more than 285. They typically hit around 270, so if they're good. So I'm going to say, like, he'll hit, like, 270. I don't think he's a 285 hitter this year at all. So um, Jake Arrieta, the newest Philly. Total win, well, I guess not he's Scott Kingler's now the newest Philly. But Jake Arrieta is the second newest Philly. Total wins in the 2018 regular season, 12 over under. I'm going to take the under. Uh, I okay. think he'll he'll pitch decently, but to be honest, I don't think the Phils are going to be that much more improved than last season in the win column. You know, I think they're going to um, lose a lot of games uh, as they get these young people uh, in the lineup and figure things out. They do have uh, some tough stretches, so I think the early part of the schedule is going to be really important to see what they can do. But, yeah, I think he'll finish around there, but maybe 11. 11 and 15, something like that, if he stays healthy all season. What, what is the date that we start making jokes that Jake Arrieta is pissed off with the offense for not scoring him enough runs? Oh, the first week, the opening day, or, or the first, his, his <laughs> first April day. 8th. Yeah, yeah he's going to lose that game one nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, they're playing the Marlins, too. Jeez, please, that, that, don't let that be the game, please. Right? <laughs> Um, I, I guess I'll just go against you here and say over, but I, I'm really just saying 13 wins, not 12. Sure. Um, you know, I just think Arietta for the most part, is going to be more average than we think. Uh, he's trending downward, and pitchers are much more trending people. Uh, his ERA is probably going to be closer to four this year. He's still a good pitcher. There's nothing innately wrong with him, but he's just not He's getting old, and, you know, he's not the same guy he was three years ago. Um, and the offense, as you said, you know, probably, you know, is going to have cold nights when he pitches sometimes, and that's going to factor into it. He's not a 20-game winner, but I'll go with 13 because, you know, while he is, like, a little bit worse than other guys or worse than he was and, and the offense is going to be slumping for him a little bit, I think he's still going to bring it most nights and be a six- to seven-inning guy and get guy get the team through it most of the time. So, like, a 13-10 and 10 record, maybe? Something like that, thirteen and eleven, I guess. Um, seems about right for him. But I'm just well, doing that. What ERA? I'm, what were you saying for the ERA? Four. I would say I would say the ERA is somewhere between like three eight and three nine, like in that area. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm kind I'll of just doing it, this. I would take that. Here. Yeah. No, I would take that for sure. 
I'd be happy yeah. with that season. I mean, we haven't had, like, two guys with an ERA under four, I think, since Hamels and Lee. So <laughs> it'd be nice to have it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, Aaron Nola, speaking of guys who are good, total wins in the 2018 regular season. Bovada has them at 11.5, which is funny. It's under Arietta. I got to think you take the over here. I do. I, I definitely take the, the over. You know, as you said, Arietta is trending downward a little bit. Aaron Nola is still certainly trending upward. So I think he's going to have a good season. He's going to win a lot of those one nothing, 2-1 games, 3-2 games because um, he's going to have a lot of those uh, throughout the season. I think he'll get hot as well. And, yeah, I, 12 wins shouldn't be a problem for, for Nola. Yeah, I can't go against you here. I'm going to be as optimistic as well and say over. I think he might win like 14 or 15 games even. I think he's just going to have a great season and be a top three to five Cy Young award winner, um, you know, rank in, in that area. Maybe not win the Cy Young, but be in the voting there at the end. Uh, he's just going to be really good. He's a great pitcher. I think he's really going to have a breakout, and so 14-15 wins seems about right for me. He could even do more than that, but the Phillies offense might not be able to get him those wins. So, um, Total strikeouts for Aaron Nola. 190.5 is the number. Are you over or under? I would have to take the over still for the same reasons. You know, I think him being healthy all year, that shouldn't be a problem. 200 strikeouts shouldn't be a problem for him. Yep. Over two, uh, you know, he's very capable. As long as he's healthy, he will get more than 200 strikeouts. Maybe around 215 or so, he's really good. God, I hope he's really good this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, he put it together last year. It was a really uh, um, inspiring performance, you know, with, with the season. And, again, not having a huge offense behind him. Uh, but he looks to put it, to put it all together. For most of the season, at least three quarters of the season last year, uh, this year if he can do it for a full season, like you said, he'll be an elite pitcher, top five for the Scions for sure. There are a few pitchers in baseball who can carry a strikeout rate of nine or over, and then a walk rate of three or under, and he's one of them. Uh, that's really special when you have a guy like that who can throw seven innings to start. It's really special. So um, it's great. Hector Neris, uh, finally. Total saves in the 2018 season for Hector Neris, 26 and a half. 26 and a half. Yeah, I'll take the over on that, too. You know, they seem to uh, be able to convert the saves last season, assuming Gabe Kapler doesn't change anything up with, with the back end of the rotation, and they have a good kind of 7-8 uh, with uh, Neris uh, finishing off. I'll take take the over. Yeah, 28 saves last year. Is that right? 26 saves last year. So they're right on that mark. I'm going to go under. Um, and Mike Sadowski, who did predictions with us a couple days ago, he actually has Hector Neris being traded at the deadline, um, which is interesting because that would assume that the Phillies weren't playing well. But I think he was kind of doing a, they're going to trade some value, but also get value back in the form of a major league player because they just want to upgrade other places. But I, I, I'm going to go under just because I do think he will not be the closer all year. Um, I could see a situation where basically this team doesn't typically, they, they're not going to just hold Naris to being the guy in the ninth inning all the time. There could be times where I think Kapler could throw Naris in the eighth inning 
in a big spot, and then it just so happens that he's got to go to, like, you know, Tommy Hunter in the ninth inning or Edgeway Ramos or something like that, and that guy gets the save. So I'm just kind of by what I'm seeing from what Kapler might be doing with his managerial style, I would say under. And it could be, like, 21 saves or something like that, um, but you'll see, like, another guy on the stiff who's got, like, five saves, another guy who's got three saves, and I don't know, something like that. So I'll, I'll, I'll do that for tactical reasons. Um, okay, so now the predictions. Uh, I want to go through a couple predictions for 2018, and we can be as quick as we want to be here. Um, but we'll start with uh, we'll start with someone who's not on the regular season roster and probably won't be this year. Although that's kind of what this question is leading to. Sixto Sanchez, the top prospect in the system, great pitcher. He throws nearly 100. He has Pedro Martinez looking stuff. He's a phenom, he's very young, and he will be probably in Clearwater to start the year. Where does Sixto Sanchez finish his 2018 season? Where will he finish the season? That's a good question. I think he will spend some time in AAA, but I think he'll finish in Reading. Um, I think he'll he'll end up there. Um, he does have great stuff. It's exciting. Um, I think he'll be in Clearwater just for about a month or two. Um there will be a lot of turn at the top. You know, the Phillies have been trying to figure out their um, rotation uh, with the back end. So who knows who could be fitting in there. Uh, so I do think there could be a lot of turn. But in the end, I think I'll see some time in AAA. Uh, but at the end of the season, um, he'll finish in Reading. You know, he's still got some years. Um, but soon after that, I do expect him up uh, next season. So I guess uh, I guess realistically he would be in Double A to end the year. I want to be contrarian, so I'm going to say he'll end the year in Triple A. Sure. Um, I can see him doing you know 12 starts in Clearwater, and then another 10 in Reading, and then they say you know what, let's go, let's kind of put you on the fast track and get Jim Lehigh for a couple more starts to finish the year. Um, I think this is the year that they sort of take the rope off of him and have him start more innings because he's been held back a little bit because they just don't want to break his arm at all, and it's been a nice strategy. It hasn't worked at this point, so hopefully or it has worked at this point. So hopefully that they uh, continue to keep him healthy. But I'm going to say we have Al at the end of the year. Um, sure. See, there's the, a part- the front office has, has shown in the last two years, you know, they're not afraid to bring people up when and they, they yeah, they're ready. That's part of it, too. I mean, with the Kingley edition, you know, happening a couple of days ago, it feels like they would totally make that kind of a bold move. Um, there's a part of me that thinks if this team is really in the heat of it and it seems like they might get to the playoffs, I almost could see them bringing up 6-0 for the stretch run in the playoffs. If he's that good and he throws that hard and he's that much of an enigma to major league hitters in a way that I believe like Francisco Rodriguez back in 2002 with the Angels and uh, David Price in 2008 with the Rays, if, if if he's throwing that well at the end of the year, they might say, you know what, come up and we'll give you some bullpen innings, and we're going to have you sort of, you know, be that change of pace guy that's just going to make hitters kind of, you know, flail wildly and go back to the dugout whimpering because they don't know how to handle you. Yeah, now you're talking exciting September baseball. If that if that were to happen, that would be the best freaking scenario ever. Right? It might, yeah. It might be terrible for his long term outlook, but at the same time, 
Might be great for 2018. I don't know. Right. It would be fun. So who who would be the all-stars this year for the Phillies? How many will they have, and who will they be? Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, you said all-stars, so I guess we're assuming there'll be more than one uh, this season. But it could be one. It could be one. If you, if no, you, if I, do think, one. I do think there will be two. I do think, the, uh, you know, I think uh, Aaron Nola will get in. Um, like we were saying, you know, he can be a top-five pitcher, certainly, um, in the National League, um, especially with Bumgarner out injured. Um, and I think Hoskins. I think he'll continue uh, where he left off. You know, I don't think he can do it the entire year, like we said, and he can probably not hit 70. But I, I think he'll come out strong, and he'll make the the, the all-star team. You know, we were saying people are a little more excited this season than previous, so hopefully that'll get more folks out at the park and more people voting too. So that that little boost uh, may help as well. I don't know. I'm just thinking now about Twitter. Kristen Yelich is in there, Lorenzo Cain, Milwaukee, Marcelo Zuna is in St. Louis. Um, you know, there's definitely some players who would, you know, get votes. So right. I'm right about Harper, Harper though. The, the All-Star Games in D.C., so there's a good chance. Yeah, oh, yeah, Harper is absolutely. Lead the league in votes. Absolutely. And, and I am also, I'm also on, I, I also believe Adam Eaton will have a big year for Washington back from an injury. So I just have sure. a feeling that he'll, so you'll have like two spots there. So I don't know. I'll say three, and 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 that'll be. I'll just feel optimistic. Okay, regular starting lineup and rotation on August first, two thousand eighteen. So we're talking after the trade deadline. What would be the starting lineup and rotation for the Phillies on August first? Well, um, well, I mean, to be honest, I think it'll be pretty similar to opening day. I don't think there'll be too many changes. Obviously, if there's injuries, uh, I think the Phillies will fill it internally. Um, you know, I don't, I unfortunately don't think they're going to be in the heat of a playoff run. I think they'll be in there, but not enough that they're going to have to make any, any big moves there at the trade deadline. So to be honest, I think it's going to be pretty similar. Um, I don't know if Franco's going to make it <laughs> to the All-Star game till midway season. Uh, you know, not that he's going to get traded, but maybe benched. So I could see him, uh, taking a seat. Uh, in favor of one of the younger guys, even if it's J.P. Crawford playing over there, Kingery, someone uh, trying out a new position. Again, seeing how this flexibility with, with Kapler works. Okay, so when I originally did my predictions two days ago, I said that they would have Marcus Stroman in a trade at the deadline. And then I went through the schedule, and I saw that June is going to absolutely kill them. Uh, their June is like, they're playing the Nationals two different times. They're playing the Cubs. They're playing the Dodgers. They're playing the Giants. They're playing the Brewers twice. They're playing the Rockies. They're playing the Yankees. So I don't know yeah, how they're going to win murder. three games that month. So, um, and that's a tough. That's a tough part of the season too. Like you don't want to get too down. You don't want to lose twenty out of you know twenty five games uh, in the second third month of the season. Yeah, I, I, I and they did that in May of last year. And you know how right. that that kind of ended the season for us. But I could I could see them really stumbling in June and then find themselves in mid July still too far under or too far in back of first place in the wild card that they would probably not do anything extreme. So I, I, I'm amending my Marcus Stroman thing, and I'm going to say they probably still do something with the lineup. I don't know if they're going to trade Cesar, but I could see Kingery playing at second base for good by August first. So I would go with that. 
And I think the rest of the lineup is probably what it is. I don't think they're going to change much else. I, I can't see them changing much else if they're not going to – if they're going to be like a game over 500 or five games under or whatever that's going to be around that, 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 that area. And then the pitching staff, yeah, that could change a little bit. I, I would say you'll have Nola, you'll have Arietta. I, I think Velasquez is hurt probably at some point. Oh no! Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? Um, and I'll go with Nola, Arietta, Pavetta, Lively, and uh, Tom Eshelman. I think he'll. I think he'll stick for a while. Tom Eshelman will. So and and Lively too. You, you think they'll both stick the, for that? Long in the season, I think Lively is pretty decent. I don't think he's like great, but I think he does just enough to kind of hang around and be part of this rotation. And I think Eikhoff is going to really have a tough year, really tough year. So yeah. I, I think Lively kind of just stays put and is doing just enough to stay in the rotation. Yeah, Eikhoff might be my guy who's potentially on the injury block uh, this season. No, he already is. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And and it'll be for the the better part of it too. Yeah, I, I I mean I really hope not, but I just have a feeling. So yeah. Um. Okay. Who makes the playoffs in the American League and the National League? Go ahead. All right. So all the teams. Um. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be too different than last season. To be honest, you know, DC is still the team to beat uh, in the East. Um. Chicago the same in the Central. Um, I think the Brewers and Cardinals will give them a run a little bit, but um, I think they're still stacked enough to hold them off. And then out west is, again, going to be, you know, a lot of the the power, especially for the playoffs, and probably even two wild-card spots. So the Dodgers, certainly. Um, I think Arizona has uh, the wild-card spot clinched. And either San Fran or Colorado with the other wild-card spot. You know, San Fran definitely made a lot of moves. Um, but I think all four of those teams are going to be really good this season. So a lot of wins uh, there and, you know, a lot of losses from the bottom feeders, especially, unfortunately, in the NL East. What about um, the AL? In the AL, again, you know, similar. Uh, the Yankees certainly look good, uh, even better. Um, I think Boston as well uh, will be coming out uh, in the wild card. Um, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland's probably going to be my team to beat in the AL. Um, but same, you know, Houston and, and the Angels, uh, the Angels with, with the wild card too and, and Trout and Otani and, and the whole gang. So, you know, I think the, these teams really set themselves up, um, last year. Um, I think they're still good. I don't think there's really any challenges. Like I said, in the Phillies division, you know, the Nats are still good enough, especially compared to the the, the rest of the team. So um, I think that's going to be it. I think it's going to be exciting playoffs for sure. I think those teams are, are really good. You know, Dodgers, probably Cleveland is going to be my pick for, for the World Series with, um, with I'm going to say, I want to say Cleveland, but I think the Dodgers are going to eke it out in, in six or seven games. That's my World Series prediction. Okay. Well, yeah. How I, I mean, it's tough. So it, it, it's clear that there are there's definitely good, really good teams, and then there are really bad teams. And the separation between the really good teams and the middle class is really large at this point. 
And exactly. so it's hard to pick against those teams to win their divisions. But I always feel like no matter what, some team surprises everybody and wins the division, and it's just, okay, well, they won the division. With that said, I don't think it's going to be very different from what you just said. <laughs> right. Um, the American League I'll start with, and I, I mean, the Yankees to win the East, I, I mean, I don't know if that's 100% there, but I'm going to say the Yankees. Uh, the Indians in the Central, they just look too good. And in the West, obviously, the Astros, who look like they could win 110 games this year. Um, the wild cards, the Red Sox, I think, are definitely a cut above everybody else. And the other team, I, I mean, I don't want to say the Twins, but I, I can't – I don't believe in the Angels enough to be a wild card. I think they're close, but I just don't see them, especially with the bullpen being as questionable as it is. I don't know. Um, I could see Oakland or the White Sox maybe finding their way in. I could even see Baltimore sort of because Baltimore is that team that nobody ever understands, and then they just, like, find their way into the conversation, and they make the playoffs. And they're like, oh, Baltimore's in the playoffs. So I, with all that said, still think the Minnesota Twins are going to make the playoffs. Twins, yeah, the Twins aren't a bad choice, too. They were one of my teams to consider for the wild card, for sure. Yeah, and it's terrible because it's the same five teams that made it last year, and that never happens, but I'm going to do that. And then in the National League, the Nationals are definitely the best team in the East. The I actually like the Cardinals in the Central, mainly because I think the Cardinals just have a juju magic in them, and they find their way into winning the division when nobody thinks they will. So I just think the Cardinals will do it this year. And the Dodgers will win the West because, honestly, who's going to beat them? Uh, wild cards... Cubs, I think, are a wild card team. I don't think they're that bad, and it's just that the Cardinals will be better for some reason. The Cubs will win the wild card there, and the other wild card, I'm actually going to go with the Mets. I oh. think this, this is, I know, it's, it sounds terrible, and I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> but I'm going to get hate mail. But I, this is the year that they have enough health. They got a new training staff. I, I I believe in Jacob Degrom. I believe in enough of their pitchers to kind of hold up this year. And if their pitchers hold up, they're going to be good. They're going to be very good because their hitting is fine enough. I imagine that they're going to win that second wild card if they just hold up, and, I, and that's what I'm going for. If so, they don't, if they don't, do, you, do they blow the team up at that point? You think is the window closed? Is this kind of a make or break year for the Mets? That's, that was my thinking for them, and I, I'm hoping I, it's a break. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, if I'm the Mets, I don't do that. I mean, like I thought about like this year, maybe they could break it up. But the more I think about it, it's like, how often do you have six or seven guys who are that good on the mound at one time? You know, you just have to keep them healthy for a year. That's all you need to do. They already did that once, and they made it to the World Series. If they can do it one more time, they can win a World Series with that group. It's just the, you got to keep them healthy. So I, I, I would just keep that going for as long as they can, which is probably another two or three years. And then at that point, yeah, then you sell off what you got, and you still have Rosario at age 25, and you still have, you know, Conforto at 26 or 27. I mean, you still have young guys, so it, it can still work if you rebuild. But I, I would I would keep it going the way it is. But I I, I think in the National League, my picks were the um, – I believe I had the Dodgers winning the National League Again, and then in the American League, I actually have the Red Sox winning because what the hell. And I'm going with the Red Sox to win the World Series because God hate this. No, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Dodgers. I'll go with the Dodgers. I think I picked the Dodgers for my predictions, and I'll stick with that because I, I'd rather have the Dodgers win over the Red Sox. 
Plus, Chase Huntley gets a ring and he retires. So, there you go. Beautiful. Walks yeah. off into the sunset. Yep. That's right. All right. Final thing. What is the final 2018 record for the Philadelphia Phillies? What do you got? Phils will win 77 games and will lose 85. Wow. That is much less than I have heard anybody say. I know. I know. I... I'm excited for the season. I'm excited to see it start. Um, you had mentioned that really tough June, and I think that's going to lead to, you know, a down July. And, you know, it's going to be a, a hole they can't climb out of. But they're going to be in the conversation, you know, hovering around seven, eight, nine games in the wild card. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, I'm going with the under uh, for whatever uh, the win total uh, was. We should look that one up too, but I'm saying 77 wins for the Phils. Yeah, I think the win total, I can look this up relatively quickly. Um, I think it was like 81 or something. They, they, I mean, they've been kind of projected to be like an 81 win team this year. Yeah, I just don't see that. I, you know, that I don't think they're quite a 500 team yet. You know, they're close. Um, I could see that certainly next year. Um, but it would take a lot, you know, it would take, you know, all the pieces to be clicking at the same time. It would take uh, a winning streak or two, right, you know, like a 10-, 12-game winning streak, something uh, really awesome, you know, another Reese Hoskins hot streak, or whether Tim or someone else, but something, you know, that good. And that's a lot to ask for uh, for this young team. So if if they can play well and you know, lose the games they're supposed to lose, win the games they're supposed to win. I think 77 is, is where they'll come out at. I originally went with 83, and I'm going to stick with it because I don't want to veer from it too much, um, and I don't want to second-guess myself on it. I think it all kind of depends on April. I, if, I really do think this team is capable of getting off to a scorching hot start simply because they're young, they have this great optimism and this wonderful sort of energy that Philly's teams in the past haven't had. Um, and all those things together can make for a team that just kind of come out, comes out the gates and just plays really well. Plus, they're playing a lot of bad teams in April. Uh, it's the easiest part of their schedule. So I, I, I just – it's very possible that they can be at the end of April and be in first place by a couple games and we'll be really excited. First place. <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, th- yeah. look at the schedule. They're playing the Braves a lot. They're playing the Marlins. They're playing right. the Mets a little bit, which, you know, the Mets are going to be fine. But, you know, they could beat them. Um, and then they're playing a couple other the Reds they're playing. Teams that, you know, they can beat the Padres. So I think they can find themselves out of April, like, literally, like, 10 games over 500, honestly. And that with that, if, if they do that, I think they can – they're not going to – be able to survive June, I don't think, but they can still be at the end of June not in terrible shape. You know, they, they're not going to be like 20 games under. They'll be more like eight games under. And if they're eight games under at the end of June, then I think they can find their way back to 500 by September 10th or something. And that point just becomes winning the couple games that they need to win at the end. So I'm going to go with 83, and I think it's it's going to be because they played really well off the gate. They stumbled a little bit in the middle. They got themselves back together, and then by the end of the season, they play well again, and yeah. that'll set us up for a really good 2019. That's my yeah. They're playing. Question. They're playing with nothing to lose, right? They're young guys, new new manager. You know, let's let's see what works. So it'll be fun. That's that's the main thing. Like you said, I'm not expecting too much, 
but it will be fun to watch more so than previous seasons. So I'll be there opening day. I'm excited. Well, as I have said, it is the year of fun. It will be really, really awesome to watch, and it's it's going to be right right in a couple hours. It's going to be really fun to get going, um, and I'll be there too probably. Um, I'm I'm coming. I'm just letting you know right now. I'm coming to the game. I'll, I'll be coming. Awesome. <laughs> I'll find a way. All right, Brian. Well, thank you for coming on, and uh, go Phils. Go Phils. My thanks to Brian Michael for coming on and talking with me about the 2018 season, predictions, and all that good stuff. Thanks to BenSound.com for the music. We are at the doorstep. 2018 begins in just a short while with the Phillies and Braves. SunTrust Park, Aaron Nola on the mound. Nola Day, part one. I expect great things out of Nola. Hopefully he delivers this year. He could be a really, really amazing pitcher this year. Cy Young is definitely in view, I think. I think he can contend for it. Let's hope he stays healthy all year. And by the time we come back next time for the Phillies Nation podcast, maybe we'll have a couple wins under our belt and we'll be over 500. Because I don't think this team ever gets over 500 until like April 15th, if they do. <laughs> so hopefully they'll get a couple wins in early. We can be over 500 early. We can look good. We can feel great. And then we'll go from there. For the Phillies Nation podcast, I'm Tim Malcolm. We will. Check in next time. Go Phils!